Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show that sees life through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Because in Jeff's World, we blow minds and large hearts and leave no man or child behind. And now, here's your host, Chief Executive Optimist and President of These Inspired States of Mind, Jeff Stein. It's all just a reality show, you guys. It's not real. Well, it is real. But it's a reality <laughs> show. It's just, it's fake. Is there such thing as an unreality show? Yeah, the whole thing you're living <laughs> Yes, it's called a nightmare. Oh! Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, if I ever had any suggestion for anybody, if you, <clears throat> I mean, for unsolicited advice to the world on how to conduct your life, notice that it's way more drama than actual circumstances that you go through. Even in your own life, there's always way more drama than there is. And when I say drama, it means the way it feels, that it feels all intense and insane and stressful and crazy. And then when you walk through an experience at the end of it, you look at it and you go, you know, really did not that much happened, and I navigated it pretty sanely. My my grandmother used to say that about worry. Yeah, she said you're borrowing trouble. Oh, that's a good that's one. A borrowing phrase. trouble. Borrowing trouble. Beautiful. Because ninety, like you said, ninety percent of the stuff you freak out about in advance doesn't come to pass. Yeah, and and seriously. The reality show, right? And go with me on this analogy for, for, for just a minute, because what is a, what, we, what we've been obsessed with in this nation for some time now is reality shows. We love them, right? That and, and, that and artificial fame. Artificial fame. Right, which is part of the same reality right, show thing, right? right? And, and and whether it's a scripted programming or a, a reality show, no. which is, by the way, scripted. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, exactly. They're all scripted. The point is, is that... We look at things on the box and we go, wow, this is, and we get this visceral feeling, right? And we get caught up in it. Now, the difference between it is that at the end of watching Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or whatever, you know, we have that feeling that kind of stays with us for a minute. You know, we're like, wow, that was so intense. Mm-hmm. And we love the roller coaster ride, but we don't actually think it's going to happen to us, right? We don't think Game of Thrones is going to break out. I'm not going to have a red wedding in the middle of our, you know, living room. It's not going to happen, right? Winter is coming. Khaleesi's <laughs> <laughs> outside with a dragon. <laughs> Yeah. And Hold so, on. Right? And, and so, but, but the analogy is, I want everyone to think about this for a second. This mm-hmm. is a consciousness-based universe. You are living in the matrix. This is your soul. Thy will be done. You can look at it religious, philosophical, spiritually. It doesn't matter. It, this is the matrix. And as a result of that, consciousness, the universe, God, is capable of giving you all the nuances of your experience to the exact detail that you have it. Meaning... Is that in the same way we watch television and we see these horrible, murderous, violent, sexual, whatever thing, it doesn't translate into our lives because we are conscious enough to to separate that it's not real. The same thing is happening right now. We've manifested that in our politics, in our social world. And that we get to watch it on television, get intensely emotionally involved in it. Make the mistake often of carrying it throughout our day or our month or our year, and it doesn't actually get to us. And it's because the universe won't actually give it to you on an individual basis. What crazy things Donald Trump does or Hillary does or whatever it's done in the past, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect you because you just kind of see it like a reality show. And it is a reality show. And surprise, we manifested everything we focus on all day long. Right? We watch television and things, see things are crazy. We see survivors and say, look how they treat each other, you know, or whatever. And then the oh. housewives, they're brutal. Right? <laughs> and we go, oh, that's just fun. But there it is. And now we have it. Well, Living it. I would, I would only not argue, but, but offer this uh, to what you're saying. Yes. You're not entirely correct, I think, in that there are certain things that Donald Trump and his administration can do that will actually 
really affect my life or your life or, or anybody's life in probably an adverse way. And the reason it affects you, and this is where the lesson is in it, is that if you can kind of put it in perspective a little bit as a reality show and not personify it too much, it won't get on you as much. All right? Except, and, of course, if they take away health care and I die of cancer. And there you go. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, is, no, but I which think, is my reality. I yes. think this if is If they a... take away my health care, I'm going to die. Yeah. So... But here we go back to the drama again, and we're going to get into healthcare today. We're going to get into several things today. Right. Uh, but it, has it happened yet? No. Have they have they put out a healthcare and a budget bill that would do everything you just described? Yes. Yes. But we will see if it actually but happens. But they're bills this and not the reality yeah, they're show. bills and not laws. And right. That's, right. That's, that's the reality that's show the factor. Big, yeah, that's the big thing we All need right. to take away. That was Jeff Hendrick, also with <clears> Erica Ferrisen. You can tell I'm Jeff Stein. Today on Jeff's World, I've gathered some wisdom that reminds us where to point our hearts and minds after a terror attack that we just had in Manchester, as well as the human stories from there that will hopefully restore your han- humanity. Also, 11 and 39, two numbers that rocked the political landscape last night. I'll tell you what those were. Madam Delegate Erica Ferrison went to the California Democratic Convention. Uh, she will have the latest lessons, takeaways, you know, and the state of our discord from within the political party. Oh, my gosh, people. Talk about a reality show. F-bombs thrown during speeches. You're going to love what she has to share. Uh, someone in the Trump story is speaking up, demonstrating responsibility and contrition. We'll have that person. What? Melania and the hand slap heard round the world. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> the latest Russia's continuing attack on the American electorate. It's still happening. The newly proposed federal budget, as we teased, and an explanation of why supporters will believe it will work, and the false talking point that keeps being passed around. The Middle East, and the contrasting words of the last two presidents to visit Israel. Oh. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, some lightning round stuff. Uh, the FCC ruling on Stephen Colbert. The biggest I told you so. Mansplaining 101. And <laughs> it's like the Jeopardy category. <laughs> and one of the most powerful moments and greatest speeches in history that is completely unknown to those who don't watch mainstream news. All of that. This Woo-hoo. is Jeff's World, the place where perspective and evolution happens. Time goes by. This is Jeff's World, the home of truth, justice, sarcasm, laughs, and epiphanies. All while looking at the American way. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. Executive Brian is also in here making the show grow as well as Internet Georgette. Keeping you in the know. She's all over the <laughs> social media telling you what's going on. Uh, and she graduated. Yes! She's a graduate. Ed girl. Ed girl. And, and uh, you know... <laughs> This uh, now I want to get into the Melania Trump and the slap, but while I, I'm going to tangent just briefly on on what you just pointed out with the uh, her graduation and Georgette, I don't know if you, I don't know what your what you noticed about your student body, but one of the evolutions that has been encouraging is women. This is the era of women. More women are going to college than men. They're getting smarter than men. And so there may be a time when this weird little pendulum swings. We talk, we, uh, swings. We talk a lot about gender on this show. And we talk about this era of women kind of coming to, into their own and men starting to get over their, uh, you know, their fear that they have to oppress in order to feel important. And as males continue to kind of hold on to this thing like, well, we're still physically dominant. Women have been quietly saying, well, I'm pretty sure that I have no limit on what I can learn. So I'm going to go ahead and learn stuff. And as a result, uh, I mean, I went anecdotally. For also, the numbers bear out that women are getting smarter, that are coming out. They're going to more college. They're getting smarter. They're coming out of it. And I went to my son's uh, award ceremony where he and a bunch of other smart kids got awards. And way more women, girls, <laughs> than boys. It, 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 
66% of the graduates were women. They're hitting the books while we're so, hitting the gym. Pretty- Just a yeah. couple Oops. things. It is true that women may be increasing in numbers as far as getting an edu- higher education, but uh, women have always been smarter than men. Yeah, so. <laughs> there you go. But you know what? We're so smart that we let you think. I love it. That you're smarter because, yeah. you know. and then, So we'll move things for you. Here, move that box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm helping. <laughs> she, says, she says I'm smart because I can move the box. <laughs> far as men being, you know, clinging on to at least we're physically dominant. Yeah. Well, if you just saw Melania slap down the Donald, clearly yes. she could take him. So what she refers to easily. If, if you have not been on the Internet and make sure and you see both slaps. Right. OK. Well, once once more, once more of a. It's the when you, when you go to shake somebody's hand and you you pull it back and comb your hair back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was more of like yeah. you know a passive aggressive or maybe just trying to be gracious, but like cannot stand to touch them. But I'm not really gonna you know no, but the slap, slap them down. But the slap yeah. though. So what they're referring to again, if you haven't <laughs> seen it, is that the main one, the one the real the really glaring one, is he's walking down the the red carpet thrown out on the tarmac with with the Net, Net New Yahoo Benjamin Netanyahu, the uh, obviously the Prime Minister of Israel, with his wife, and she's and he's holding her hand and and respecting her and keeping her side by side as equals. But Donald, as usual, is flanking Melania, stepping in front of her, cutting her off with a general. He literally did a basketball uh, move where he, yeah. It's a moving screen. That's a violation. It's a screen. He did a screen. No, of his no own it's a moving wife. violation. That's two shots. Yeah, <laughs> it's a foul. It's a foul, and Melania should have two shots at the line. He is foul. And as he's <laughs> dodging her and dissing her, and she's trying to kind of stay on the carpet and get around him, he see, and he's buddying to Netanyahu. Do you see how he gets? He snuggles up to him. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of realizes, I think, that, oh, I probably should hold my wife's hand, right? What, Brian? I, just an observation. I'm not defending Trump here, but if you look at that video closely. Yeah. She didn't fit on the carpet. That's no, right. She, yeah. And maybe she was just pissed because she couldn't walk on the red carpet. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not about a, a logistical <laughs> tactic. This is exactly what Stein is saying. This man continuously makes her walk in back like she's subservient. Yeah. And I don't know what happened, but she was over it. And I, Melania, I I respect you. Did, let's let's help she's one. She's the new queen well, I gotta talk shade. to you. Did, she, did you notice how quick she got tossed to the back of the group with the Saudis when they were all walking? Yeah. <laughs> Bam! Yeah. In the back. Yeah, so he tried to get him. He tried to grab her hand and she just slapped it away. And uh, and the previous one that Hendrick referred to is he tried to grab her hand and she just kind of didn't went to brush her hair out of her eyes right. and, and just dodged it. It was, uh, it was interesting like a, to watch. The, judge for yourself. Right. It was interesting to watch uh, the internet sort of defenders of Trump say that it was, you know, it wasn't what we all saw. So <laughs> right. let me add this. You didn't see that. You didn't let see me that. add oh. this. Yeah. A friend said, I didn't see it, but maybe Georgette internet chick did. <laughs> internet Georgette. Internet Georgette. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that somebody tweeted, Melania must be in, I don't know if we can say it, H-E-L-L. Yeah. And... It was reported that her official Twitter liked it. Wow. (laughs) But I have to say, Melania slapping his hand away more than the, hold on, let me get something out out of of my my hair face. Um, I am telling you right now, that's empowering to so many women. And you men may not get that, but that is empowering. So I want to thank you, Melania, for empowering women because- that that was, and it was also uh, 
given where the two incidents took place, Rome was the hair flip. Yeah. Very subtle. Very, yeah. But in Saudi Arabia, where women are second-class citizens, he, she smacked the president's hand yeah. away from hers. Yes. That is, that's, and you're right, Erica, that's seriously powerful stuff. Yeah, so you can observe that. You can watch it. We can guess about what's going on. Uh, normally, in a presidential situation, we wouldn't necessarily judge his uh, policymaking or whatever. But, hey, you know, you're the president, man. This is what you get judged for. And the internet, the Twitter, Twitterverse loved up, loved up uh, Melania big time, like you point out. My two favorite uh, tweets were, the moment Melania became presidential. <laughs> <laughs> And in that moment, she became the first lady. All right, like, well, that was beautiful. Go. So when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the recent situation in Manchester, of course, the terrorist attack. And more importantly, you know, how it's pivoting forward. Because in all the chaos and the crazy and this reporting how terrible it is, you should also notice the helpers. That's what Mr. Rogers would say. Remember, this is Jeff's World. I see you thinking twice with us. This is Jeff's World, where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick, Executive Brian, helping the show grow, and Internet Georgette is keeping you in the know. Manchester. Uh, Mm. Right? Eight-year-old girl. That's the first thing that pops up in your head. You know, and they have to rank it, you know, best, worst one since 2005 or whatever. And, 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 you know, I know we all go through that exercise, and I guess we have to go through that exercise, and it's, it's, you know... Um, how much did you guys watch it? Did you get? Did you get? Because I know we're a fair amount. Yeah, you know, it's it's the whole thing. Of, do we get numb to it? Do we are aware of it? Are we, you know, you acknowledge what has happened, and then <clears throat> you find the best out of it that you can, and you find moments of hope, and you find people that are helping. Yeah, but you don't. You can't eat it twenty four seven as your diet and not have it corrupt your soul because it's just it's a terrorist act, and that's exactly. What they're trying to do is terrify people. That's yeah. the whole purpose of a terror act, attack is to put everybody out of their normal sphere of comfort and what they're doing with their lives. Like, hey, well, we're not going to go to the show. We're not going to go to a movie. We're not going to go out of the right. house. Right. We're not going to leave our bubble anymore. And that's, that's what they're going for. But there have been six arrests uh, so far, including uh, the bomber's brother. <clears throat> but what I want to talk about is Steve. Yeah. Steve was a homeless man who suddenly... Excuse me. Put on a cape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he helped pull nails out of a six-year-old girl. And he wrapped up another girl whose leg got blown off. And he held a woman as she passed. Yeah. And this is a guy who's living on the street. Yeah. And he saw this and he said, "Uh, I got to jump in. Yeah. I got to do stuff. And that's why they won't win. Yeah. Because ultimately... There are more Steves than there are terrorists. So if you're flipping a coin out there, Steve or terrorist, pick Steve. <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking to my 13 year old son, and and uh, he had uh, come home from school, and he and he was with his friends, and they had done gone through a ranting session uh, of you know how we need to do this to be the terrorist should be this and this and this and this, and there was this all this anger and revenge, and I said, okay, you know, go to the relief of anger, revenge, that's fine. Uh, but what's next and how would they be a failure? I just kept asking questions. Do you, do, what would be, make the, you know, what would make the terrorists, you know, be a failure? And he said, well, they were locked up and we killed. No, no, no. What would be a failure? And what it was, of course, he finally came around to the answer that Hendrick just gave, which is when people are brought together more than torn apart from it. Yeah. When they demonstrate, you know, example, Geraldo Rivera, you know, and some of the, 
folks out there. Really? They, Stein? Yeah, they started saying things like, uh, you know, many, he said, Chad tweets out, many terrorists arrested in mowing arrested in mowing down of pedestrians outside Westminster, London in March were hotbed of Islamic ter- radicals. You know, he starts, they start saying Islamic radicals. They start really putting all the attention on how the bad was. And what happens? The tweets that respond, I love this. Manchester Muslim doctors working through the night. Manchester Muslim taxi drivers taking people home for free. You don't know Manchester. Nice. Damn right. And he doesn't know. Well, it's, it's amazing to me whether it's a, a bombing at a um, concert, whether it's somebody shooting people on college campuses or in movie theaters or whether it's drones being dropped in faraway places on faraway people and children. But what you see over and over, along with your line of look for the helpers, they're always there. And there's the momentum is always about standing together. It's all, if you look, it's always about that. But the people who seem to have the loudest microphones, such as Geraldo Rivero, Fox yeah, whatever, News, yeah. the, the biggest, you know, pulpits, politicians, they are the ones because that that information spreads more than, right. you know, what? Because if, you're, cause if yeah. you're on the ground and it's like, OK, for the Steve that was reported, there were probably hundreds of Steves that weren't reported. Right, right, right. And it's like the people with the loudest and the most, they are the ones that continue this uh, separation, division. And, you know, I can go into the political reasons for that, funding, yeah. you know, the arms industry and all of that. You have control and you keep people afraid. But, but among the people, if you're on the ground... It's always about helping and coming together naturally. That's naturally. 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 Steve's an example of that, the homeless guy. Steve, Steve, Steve Jones. There um, you go. Thank you. <clears throat> Brian just uh, pulled that off the, uh, the lovely web. So I think society, what, this, what Manchester said to me, was society's like an amoeba. It's a single-celled organism. We all really are in this together. Yes. And you can poke it with a stick, and it will move. You remove the stick, and it comes back together. Yeah. Every single That's a great time. analogy, Hendrick. I freaking love that. Because <laughs> uh, that's the point. I brought my brain today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I watched it and I was looking for those glimmers of humanity. One of the things that was a simple one, all the eyewitnesses were always talking about, and this is common if you watch after Terror Sacks, about being surprised, saying they never think this is going to happen to them. Right. And I, the first thing that comes to my mind is good. Right. Because right, it right. shows that we're not walking around going, oh my God, this is going to happen to me any second. Right. Okay. Okay. And then secondly, don't let your your daily kindness be tainted by suspicion. You know, no. and when you, and when you go for that like my even my son did, when you go for that chemical fix of revenge, pivot further toward more relief and take pause, breathe into your calm until you regain that determination to bring decency and forgiveness and hope and gratitude, you know, back to the world. Don't personify the tragedy. Don't imagine it happening to you. Well, that's it's not helping. Right, but that and that's the entire goal of the terrorist yes. act is to make sure that you are in that place of fear every single waking moment. Yeah. And it amazes me you how can't, many you can't be. You can't be. No. It <laughs> it's will kind perpetuate. Of you. <laughs> the amoeba analogy is right. We're all in this together. And yeah. If we perpetuate, grow the fear. We can say, Erica. 
No, I'm going to let it go. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> sometimes you just let it go. But don't imagine let it, it happening to you. Thank you. Don't get me started. I love that song. Um, the, but one of the things that happens after a tragedy, even if it's like a car accident or something, somebody has a near miss, it amazes me how, many, how often people say, geez, think how bad it could have been. No! <laughs> Think how good it is that it didn't happen. I will <laughs> Right. Right. Yes. I will be grateful. It was like right. stay in the gratitude. And so, and I kind of just started going, well, what was I grateful for? I mean, I'll be grateful that terrorist attacks are still extremely rare, that they're nowhere near our most fatal like, occurrences in life, you know, like pollution or the flu or texting while driving or falling off ladders. All global of those warming. A global warming. Bee stings. Bee stings. <laughs> All of those are more likely to kill Way you than a terrorist attack. Peanut allergy. Allergies kill more people every year. You know, yes. Be grateful for the response from our rescue yeah. and safety services, whether here or abroad. You know, be grateful that we have first responders and detectives and analysts and policymakers and all the helpers that all rush in, you know, with courage and purpose and diligence. And they're just there and kind heartedness, whether it's a homeless person or an actual paid, you know, government employee. Look at the, how well the government is doing when we respond to these things and watch the other democracies like UK respond well to this because i can tell you if this happened here it wouldn't go as well in well, the, no, of the but, trump but era you got you got you got to remember though that uh, london in particular but the uk in general has had a history of terror events predating everyone in this room that's right you know i mean yeah. 50 60 years the troubles they yeah. go way back with with ireland and there were bombings and terrorist acts so they're kind of and i don't i don't know if this is the right phrase for they're sort of used to it right. in that they know how to respond they know that it's not everybody, right. okay? They have they figured that out a long time ago. Okay, there's a couple of crazy Protestants. There's a couple of crazy Catholics, and they're going to want to kill each other, and the rest of us just sort of have to get out of the way of the bullets. Yeah. And yeah. if when they do shoot each other, we go in and we patch up people regardless of who they are. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I think they're better than we are, because we only had 9-11, and we really... Blew the screwed the pooch on how we could have handled that. I quote uh, the brilliant <clears throat> Jeff Hendrick when I say, "What we bring a, a brain to a bar to a to a fist fight, right? We bring our a brain. What's what did he say? Don't bring a fist to a brain fight." I got into I got into a Facebook <laughs> flame war with some friend of a friend, and he started really going after me, and then actually physically threatened yeah. more than once. Said, "I will I, I will come and kick your ass." And I said, look, buddy, it's not my fault you brought a fist to a brain fight. There it is. <laughs> All right. More of the fist to That's brain copyrighted, fights. you people, so yes. don't go making T-shirts and not giving me my cut. <laughs> That's Jeff Henrik. You heard Erica Ferrison. Uh, we're going to do uh, explain more about that, plus that what the intelligence community is calling the treason path. Uh, I'm Jeff Stein, and this is Jeff's World. I got a condo in Manhattan. Baby girl, what's happening? This is the rarefied air of Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, you know, I'm almost going to make this into a new feature, I think. I'm going to call this uh, the Perspective Inverter 2017. Uh, one of the great ways to... I know, what's that? The perspective- is, is that powered by the flux capacitor? <laughs> it is, buddy! <laughs> yeah. Money! <laughs> the idea... Uh, you know, because I think one of the great ways when you're looking at what goes on in society, whether it's pop culture or politics... And you're trying to understand it, flip, invert the perspective and kind of you know, draw the conclusion of what the opposite is. For instance, I'll give you a historical one. But can we can we uh, can we put the grandma translator on that? Yeah, I know. Walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Ding! 
Because <laughs> yeah. flipping perspective sounds like it might be just too hard for some people. Yeah. But you break it down to that walk, in, walk a mile in another man's shoes, and everybody gets that yeah. one. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. do what Thank he did. You. Thank you. And so, <laughs> here to help. Instance, OJ, yes, and you are. You're, in fact, you're a helper. Uh, OJ Simpson. Remember OJ Simpson, uh, right? Okay. And for those who are old enough to remember the actual experience, but even still, you watch the miniseries, we all know what happened, right? And, <laughs> and actually, it was good. We knew that he was guilty, right? When I was watching that, I remember asking myself, all right, let's walk in his shoes. Let's flip the perspective. If you were innocent, as he's claiming to be, that right. you had nothing to do with the death of Nicole Brown Simpson or Ron Goldman, uh, how would you behave? Completely different. Absolutely. I mean, if I accused you right now of killing somebody, Erica, I mean, and it was in the news, what would you do? I mean, do everything I could to find who did this to clear my name. Yeah, you couldn't shut you up. No. Hey, well, you know what? He, he, he like, asked me any questions. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. Ask me any questions. Dude, yeah. look, you guys. He, he Lie detector says anything here. Yeah. He looked on every golf course he could find yes, for that did. murderer. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, that's true. It was a true joke back then, and it's a true, true joke, joke now. <laughs> You know, uh, but so, I guess they they didn't like golf because, <laughs> yeah. And so just just to just give you a little idea of, of why this is you know because we just had a big hearing another one there's always hearings going on but John Brennan former CIA uh, went in front of the House and answered some big questions the highlights you can see on the news but basically he said yeah Russia Trump it's on. Uh, there are definitely people in the Trump campaign who were involved with the conclusion. Collusion is basically what he's implying, but he's very evasive of a particular. that, of course, ongoing investigation. He's not going to say anything. And it's the FBI's department, not his. Right. And what was what was almost as telling is what he said was what he couldn't or chose not yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't say anything about that. And everything had like a dot, dot, dot after it. Like, oh, my God. Because anytime somebody who's in law enforcement says they can't discuss something about an ongoing case, it's because it's an ongoing case. Yes. There's stuff coming up. There's stuff going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know about you all, but I, you know, I'm so proud of the intelligence community's adult in the room behavior so far. Well, They're right. really being pretty. They I are. Mean, but, Comey was, you know, whatever. Right. And, but how hard is it? With those bunch of knuckleheads to be the adult in the room. <laughs> That's a good point. Come on. The bar is really low, Really? <laughs> Raise it a bit. She does have a uh, point. Director Coates, also former director, uh, I think it's Jim Coates? Yeah, uh, uh, Dan Coates. Dan yeah. Coates. Uh, yeah. There was a. Did you see the nine and a half second pause? Yes! Man, oh that God. guy was just, you could see, right, for kids who are old enough to remember what a Rolodex is, you could see him <laughs> going through the Rolodex in his brain as quickly as he could. I could hear pages flipping yeah. through his head. Yeah. What the hell am He's I going to say that's not going to blow this whole thing up right here, right now? Like, and then finally just said, I'd like to table that question for another time. Yeah, until the, until the closed session. Until <laughs> the closed session or yeah. until we... You know, until there's a perp walk at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> I but thought if, Comey was not going to have closed session. No, he's not. He's okay. going to speak. Not. He's going to speak and, and to the Senate. Yeah. Because he knows. He knows. No, he, he wants the truth. Right. Publicized. Because that's that's how they work. They, they leak things. It's public knowledge. Right. Yeah. And if you're wondering, because, again, while all these sitting intelligence folks are being pretty, you know, adult and very calm and saying, I can't talk about it and respecting the rule of law and all that sort of thing, others are not. So, for instance... It's uh, oh. former CIA <laughs> Philip Mudd. And the reason I want to play this clip is because I want you to get a taste of how it feels within the intelligence community ever since that day that Donald Trump went to the stars of, of deceased, of killed CIA operatives and spoke about his election results 
that oh, God. put that he dropped a massive boulder in the intelligence community that said, "Oh no, you do not do that to us." And uh, here's an example of the, the sentiment I think you'll appreciate. He's a narcissist. We saw this within 24 hours of his inauguration. He doesn't represent 320 million Americans. He represents one, and that's Donald Trump. He went to my agency the day after his inauguration stood in front of the wall of stars of dead officers and spoke about how many people showed up as an inauguration. Disgusting. He goes to the Coast Guard Academy a few days ago. He should be offering a vision of the future. What does he talk about? The sissy in chief talks about how tough it is to be president because the media comes after him. What does he do today? I don't really know what happened in my campaign, but I know I can speak for myself. We've seen it from day one. The man represents one person, and as the man responsible for my, my security, he ought to be thinking about 320 million and not himself. <laughs> Boom! So as you started playing that clip, I'm already questioning you in my head. Like, Jeff, what about what this guy is saying is not adult? I mean, because he's like saying criticism, but then he says this is the achieve. There you go. I was like, okay, okay, I get it. So I, I mean, aside from that one comment, yeah. I mean, I think everything else was, I mean... Well, the, the intelligence folks he has say a China, right to say totally. You know he, how he sees things and how they're feeling, and um, but yeah, sissy well, most and chief. It, okay, name calling. Is no, sissy and chief, not exactly right. adult, but but I, I I I feel I feel this guy's pain in that if you saw what the current leader of this country, I won't call him. I'm not going to call him president. Crotus, horrible name. That horrible. Um, <clears throat> If you saw that, if you if you paid fifteen bucks and you walked into landmark theaters and you saw a foreign national leader doing the nonsense that Trump has done, you'd walk out. You would say this is the worst writing. This is the most unbelievable script I've ever yeah. seen portrayed on a screen because it's yeah. just it's unimaginable that a guy could be this myopic in his worldview. And he is and, and Mud was right, man. That guy nailed it spot on. Donald Trump represents Donald Trump. Period. End of sentence. Move on. Well, that's all that he can hold in his brain is himself. <laughs> and I, I'm i not even trying to be mean. That is what fills <laughs> up his brain. He is not a smart person. He is not yeah. a curious person. He's not a curious person. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. He yeah. does not yeah. want, he doesn't ask questions. He doesn't want to know. He, he all, it's like, do I, you know, I don't even know if he knows the word benefit. So, to him, it'd be like, do I get something good for this? Yeah. Because if I do, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. But that's it. That's all that circulates in there. So let's take this whole Russia Trump thing okay. and let's put it through the perspective inverter 2017 and uh, do that in just a minute. This is Jeff's word. Call it love and devotion. This is the mind-expanding experience known as Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And we're playing around still with the Perspective Inverter 2017. 
God love you, Georgette, but this is where we this is where we miss Barry Funkhauser. Yeah, because he yeah. would just he would bust it out. He would he would find it. Are your ears yeah. ringing? Are your ears ringing, Barry? So the, the take the, care in Texas, Mr. Funk. Yeah, exactly. The the <laughs> idea of uh, the perspective inverter is like uh, Jeff Hendricks said, walk another person's shoes, and let's flip it. Let's just assume okay. one condition or another. Because one of the things that came up in the hearings with John Brennan, CIA former CIA, just recently is this term of treasonous path. He talked about how the Russians for decades have been doing this, but it's ever since 2008 in particular. And the reason that is because, well, when the market crashes, what an excellent opportunity for Russian oligarchs with tons of launderable cash to, to buy everything in sight, to yeah. buy everyone and everything in sight. And oh, yeah. uh, they, I'm sure, as we're going to find out, looked at Donald Trump and said, oh, well, isn't he Ripe for, the pick, <laughs> ripe for the picking, comrade. He's broke because yeah. of uh, the crash like everybody else had, you know. And, but be- because uh, he's Donald, he's way more broke than everybody else. Right. <laughs> uh, which, again, we would know if we had tax returns, but we won't know. So, <laughs> so let's say, let's, let's just say okay. that uh, Trump has, you know, let's say he's innocent. Okay. Let's just say he didn't mean to commit treason, which is ultimately what we're talking about when you are colluding with Russia to not only launder money, which is different than treason, obviously that's money laundering, but also to corrupt an election, which would be treason. Uh, that's And then the terms is starting to be bandied around finally, because if you, if you corrupt an election for the purpose of changing the results or even to just uh, damage the democratic process... Uh, from an outside foreigner or outside foreign influence, that's treason. So that's pretty much how it goes, right? So let's say Trump has done, you know, just a smattering of business with Putin. You know, let's say he just likes him and uh, he found out that he was evil, <gasps> right? No. And and he realized that I'm he very, shouldn't, you know. Very disappointed in you, Pooty. I'm <laughs> right? very shocked. Uh, this is distressing me bigly. Right. <laughs> You're and, not a friend of the people. Not a friend of the people. And he just looked like, hey, you know, and, and this is reasonable. He said, hey, you know, Putin, I mean, he's just a guy. He's just giving me money. He wants to do business with me. <laughs> you know, and, and of course... <laughs> And his, and his ego is easily stroked, right? Absolutely. So Putin could just say, you are amazing. You're such an amazing businessman. I want to buy your house for a hundred, like the oligarch did, right. and for a hundred million, even though you only paid 48 million for it two years ago. Well, I think SNL acted this out. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, and, and Melania was like, Donald, Donald, <laughs> when somebody, you know, flatters you right? like that, uh, they want something. Yeah. No, 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 Melania. No, Melania, shut up. Yeah. A, was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And it was with Alec Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, let's say that that you know, and that he's not actually guilty of any collusion. Let's just say it was he was doing business with him. Uh, he realized that he shouldn't have celebrated Putin's, you know, hacking of Hillary's e- Hillary's emails, or asked him to turn him or, over, or, or asked him to do it in a convention speech. You know, and that so in other words, he likes doing business with Russia, but he that's didn't right. synchronize his campaign. <clears throat> You know, with the fake news trending manipulator atom bomb that we experienced, because that was it was a fake news trending manipulator atom bomb that the Russians did drop on us and continue to drop on us. Another thing that came out in the John Brennan hearings, he says they asked him, is this still going on? They said, no, it's not just going on. They're getting better at it. They're improving on it. When you look at your feed, I keep saying this and I'm going to keep saying this because we are actively being attacked by Russia. All right. Don't our, forget that. Yeah, through our Facebook feed. We're also feed, yeah. actively <laughs> being attacked by the billionaires in this country. Oh, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, but nobody like was 
upset about that. Yeah. Except well, they are. They just didn't know what to do about it. No. They hired a guy like Donald Trump who said he was going to fix it all. So anyway. The problem the problem I have, and I'm trying, really, I am definitely trying to uh, jump into the uh, perspective. Uh, inverter 2000. Inverter 2000. <laughs> uh, first of all, you got to get more comfortable seats in these things because, uh, you know, these are, I understand for the lightweight that we have to keep, you know, the machine, you know, trim. It's... Are you familiar with the, what the RICO Act is? Yes. Okay. Explain though, so everyone knows. Um, it's it's, it's money a, laundering, basically. <laughs> basically, it's it's conspires conspiracy to commit. Sorry, a criminal organization. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you have more than one individual all sort of working together yeah. to do something illegal, that's a conspiracy. That's where the RICO Act comes in. It's R I C O, uh, and that's kind of what we have going on here because everybody, I mean, Manafort into the money, Wilbur Ross yeah. into the money. Yeah. Well, they had the whole. Um, it was a campaign uh, a campaign pack yeah. that right. was funding all of the Republicans. Yeah. It, yep. it was all you know tied to Russian money, but but I want to hear like so you're you're doing this like how he's innocently right. caught. So how does that? So let's say he's innocent. How would he behave? Just like right. if OJ was innocent, you wouldn't be able to keep him from a microphone. He'd be like, "I didn't do it. Ask me any question you want. It, I can tell you where I was, and well, I tell you where I didn't do it." If right. he was innocent, he would be demanding an independent prosecutor. Exactly. That's right. He That's would right. Be demanding an independent commission. Like, hey. Get some people on the payroll to prove that I'm innocent, because this is ridiculous. Yeah. But instead, all he's doing is shaming the information, right. trying to prosecute the people who leaked it, and ignoring the information itself. Because he's a narcissist. We all agree on that, right? We're pretty much agreeing on that. And so if he Do was Trump innocent- Do supporters agree on that? I don't know. Okay. Uh, they may not- I, would I, was just, I was curious. I don't know. Okay. Uh, and they may be okay with it, I think, that he's a narcissist, because yeah. they think he gets things done, and that's okay. He's well, a little rough around the edges, but he gets things done. It was the idea, things? right? Yeah. So first, uh, if he was if Oops. he was innocent- Travel ban? He would, he would, <laughs> he would deny it all if he Love was innocent. Care. He'd blame the Democrats. He did both of those things. So that kind of lines up. But he would honestly say to everybody, I never colluded. Right. And he would be pissed if anyone in his campaign did. Because right. his narcissism would say, you a-holes are making me look bad. Correct. He would be mm. livid about that. But he's not. So <laughs> my guess is, you know, it, it, and so because there's treason, geez, I mean, this is the, and, 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 and the most and disrespectful and disloyal and the least. I mean, if, if this was his people were doing this, if his people were doing it and he wasn't, for instance, Fair enough. if okay. he was just dumb right. enough, right, it would he would be freaking out. So my guess is it kind of lies in between somewhere. I don't think he's present enough in his life to be aware that what the hell he's gotten himself into. You mean present enough. Present enough. Yes, yeah. not president. He's not present enough. I think he's saying to himself, oh, crap, uh, I was just doing deals with Russians. You know, they had tons of money and said how much they wanted to be in business with me. So I took their money. Duh. Right. And when they told me they were going to make sure every, that everyone you know, would be seeing about how terrible Hillary was. And hear tons of great stuff about how tremendous I was, and they had a way that they were going to make that happen. I'd be like, tremendous, right? That's great. Here's the one problem, like even going with your scenario. Yes, please. Are you familiar with a company called Blackstone? Yeah. So it's not just this, I I can, you know, I get it, like going along, because, you know, that's how the Russians work. Like if you and I, right, we give seminars. And if they said, you know, to us, like, oh, my gosh, we've seen your work. Right. It's really amazing. Come over here and, right. and work with, you know, our Russian, you know, 
Because you're rad. We want to have Yeah, we would be like, oh, my gosh, yeah, and we're going to pay you a lot of money. Okay, great. And that was great. Come back. Hey, would you, you know, we know that you are close to Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretend he's the new governor. Right, right, right. Um, you know what? Could you just give this message to Gavin? I mean, right. I, get, I get what you're saying and the where you're going. The favors just incrementally okay. go. But the problem is it's not that one line. Yeah. His partner, Blackstone, which is all Russian mafia yeah. that he's been involved with for yeah. You know, however long. I mean, yeah. so it's it's almost like every, so there's that line. And I mean, it's so yeah. many places you turn yeah. where it comes down to, I'm not talking about, you know, next necessarily colluding with the election, but money laundering, oh, it's yeah. Yeah. everywhere you turn. Yeah. And the thing about Blackstone, it's not just being exposed by Forbes. Not only does Forbes have the story on it, Breitbart does. Yeah. So the left, the right, and the middle are all over this story. Oh, yeah. he must have made Steve Bannon mad. <laughs> right? Ooh. But, but you know, you were going to say something. No, I, I'm getting off of track for your point, but I just got to say, I'm, I'm firm belief that there's got to be some different uh, uh, differentiation between the investigations here, because we're combining the two. There is a... Trump criminal investigation with regard to his money laundering and his business dealings with Russian oligarchs. And then there is collusion on the political side. That is not talked about. Those two things are not separated in the media. And they have to be because that's truly what's happening. And we look back just historically what he said. First, he denied knowing Putin. Then he bragged about knowing Putin. (laughs) Then he said he didn't have business dealings in Russia, but he did have business dealings in Russia. So he's going back and forth. He's burying himself. Yeah. But if you gave it's him- a good point. There are so many criminal investigations with Trump that we must try to keep them all separate. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear what you're saying? We're talking about the president of the United I'm States saying. saying, you know what? We have to keep all these criminal investigations separate because well, the there's ele- so many. I mean, yeah. It's the pink elephant in the room. Everybody knows it, but they just ignore it. And so everybody else goes, okay. And what about the, all the illegal immigrants he's brought in? I mean, that's another one we have to keep separate. I mean, it just... Yeah. goes on and on and on. Well, that goes back to when he built Trump Tower and he hired uh, uh, Polish immigrants, undocumented Polish immigrants, to demolish the building, refused to pay them, they then had to turn around and sue him for it. Right. Yes, but it even goes back to bringing in the girls as escorts from other countries. Oh, my. <clears throat> so I'm, it's a lot ah. to keep separate, but so, so good point. And again, the one thing I care about that because we're we're gonna follow this as it happens, and this is gonna be a story. I mean, this is so big. All these different investigations that they're gonna take forever. But in the meantime, we need to come together and not let the Russians win, the Russian terrorists win, and that means not letting uh, our news feeds that are filled with this kind of you know trolling and anger get to us and make us believe that 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 we really do hate each other as much as the Russians want us to think we hate each other. We got to tamp it down. We got to believe in each other. We got to look at stories like Manchester and say, "Look at everybody came together." That's how we will beat this, regardless of whether Trump is at minimum stupid, at maximum treasonous. It, it's not, uh, and I'm sorry to be disparaging of Donald Trump, but if he missed all this during, if you missed all these people working with Russia all this time, and you didn't know that that could have fallen right. into laundering or treason, uh, okay, maybe you're that unobservant and unaware. That is possible. Uh, but you should have been surrounded by people, at least, who would have told you that it was illegal and bad. But Ignorance is no excuse for breaking no the excuse. law. And and re- 
and there are lots of Trump supporters who know that better than and anybody. Go back because he's such a narcissist and he's so freely opening, giving his opinion and everything. How many times has he been documented saying, I'm a hands on kind of guy. I know everything that's going on in my yeah, organization. That, I signed just... all the checks. <laughs> so coming up, uh, we'll play Spot the Difference with the president's trip overseas. Oh, yes. And this is the show where perspective evolves in our living reality show called Life. This is Jeff's World. Waking up to kiss you in Thank you for being a citizen of Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, it's time for play. Time to play Spot the Difference. You know, spot you know, the difference. Spot the difference. You know how it is. You love those little pictures where there'd be somebody like, you know, at a baseball game. And you got to figure out, oh, the baseball hat's different in one picture from the other. Right. And, you know, you try to figure out the differences between the, the two pictures, which are, you know, relatively the, identical. The back of Highlights magazine. Yes. There they you go. used Let's to get at the dentist's another office. Another example of us yeah. being old. So, um, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Shut up. That's no. not funny. Hey, you know what? Everything uh, that uh, we had when we were younger is redone on TMZ.com. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all just back. It's just new. It's just changed. It's altered. It's the same. fits into the same brain. Brand new. New and improved. So allow me to read you uh, the, the different oh. – the two presidents recently – went to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial in Israel. Obviously a very big deal over there. And Donald Trump went recently, and he wrote down a little note. It's not uncommon. You write your note. and uh, <laughs> there, Yeah, there's a guest book. I yeah. love that uh, somebody said uh, the, the tweeter, tweet joke, because he also visited the wall, uh, the Wailing Wall, and he, you know, you do the thing, you stick a little note in, whatever, and somebody put, oh, he just put his electoral map victory in there. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, oh, oh, my God. Oh, man. You know, but meanwhile, my Trump supporter friends, right. I'm watching them on Facebook, and they're like, finally, we have a president who respects Christianity and religion. Finally. Dude, it's a Jewish monument! Yeah. Sorry. No, well, you know, he went to the God burial place. Anyway, almighty. I know, but this really convinced them. They were like, yeah, see, this is a real Christian president. And, you know, okay, all right, whatever. I'm wow. Just project upon him. That's fine. Wow. Uh, but this is, we're going to talk about this in the next show a lot because is I keep gathering. Is that a problem in our school system that we don't teach children <laughs> to think critically oh, and then yeah. they grow up to be adults? You know And what? it's like if somebody says something but is doing the complete opposite, you just believe what they said i mean if for those of you who are not educators and you wonder what the hell common core is and you say oh my god it's i've heard terrible things about it anytime something changes you're gonna hear terrible things about it because you have to adjust to the new system (laughs) especially in education because it's a wide swath of change common core has shifted us from rigid dogma uh, you know skill-based analysis of problems into thinkers we are making thinkers now it's a lot harder. I I told you God. I graded news I graded papers for well, my wife on Mother's Day. Thinking is harder, <laughs> but you know you it's harder for the teacher because the teacher has to grade papers knowing that there are many answers and many approaches. It's harder for the parents who have to help with homework, and it's harder for the parents because you can't just go, oh, what was the system? Well, the system is approach the project any way you can. Approach the just and it's giving people broader view. So this concern about the lack of critical thinking is a fading circumstance. 
the new generation is coming up with an understanding. Folks like Georgette, who just graduated, our own internet Georgette, is a vastly smarter person than I know I was when I graduated. So, right. Well, you know. Gosh, no wonder my seven-year-old is questioning me all the time. <laughs> I'm like, do as I say. Yeah, but why? <laughs> just remember uh, that thinking citizens are much harder to control, which is why yes. Common Core is getting such a backlash. Right, because we don't want people to be thinking for themselves. No. We don't want a smart electorate. No. Right. No, we do, of course. And so yes. Yad Vashem, uh, again, you, it's not common. It's the Holocaust Memorial. You put in a note. And here's what uh, President Barack Obama actually wasn't the president. In, uh, it was because like, it was July of 2008, just before being the president. He said, I am grateful to Yad Vashem and all those responsible for this remarkable institution. At a time of great peril and promise, war and strife, we are blessed to have such a powerful reminder of man's potential for great evil, but also our capacity to rise up from tragedy and remake our world. Let our children come here. It's a handwritten note in his own written writing. Let our children come here and know this history so that they can add their voices to proclaim never again. And may we remember those who perished, not only as victims, but also as individuals who hoped and loved and dreamed like us and who have become symbols of the human spirit. Barack Obama, 23rd July, 2008. He wrote it with his own writing. It didn't pre-write it. No, no. Didn't craft it. He did it in his own words. And he even noted it as 23 July, 2008, because that's how they write uh, you know, dates. We Correct. do it the very first part. He had that much sense. Yeah. See if you can spot the difference. He's a smart guy. Between this is Donald Trump's. Okay, here's Donald yeah. Trump's note. See if, oh. you can, see if you can spot the difference. Oh, it's very God. similar, okay. right? Oh, very dear, similar. Oh, dear God. It is a great honor to be here with all of my friends. Oh. Dash, so amazing, plus symbol, we'll never forget Donald Trump, Melania Trump. Stay cool. I hope you have a great rad summer. I'll see you in high school. Yeah, it was kind of a yearbook. All right, well, maybe uh, really? maybe to take Donald Trump's side, maybe he's, you know, just writing it like a tweet. It's a tweet. You want to stick to 140? Yes, he's sticking to 140 <laughs> characters. So... Oh, it's depressing. I'm, I'm just, we have to find the humor. I'm very yes. proud he didn't put an emoji on it. That's all I'm saying. The lesson, y'all, and if you like Donald Trump, don't like Donald Trump. I understand why you like Donald Trump. There's certain things about his personality which I can see that you would ingratiate yourself to that, that seem wonderful and powerful. But let me say this. May this be a lesson for you. I've said this last show. Everything in life right now is skill-based. You want people, you want surgeons that have done surgery. You want firemen who know which end of a hose. You want, you know, (laughs) and you want presidents who have been policymakers and lawyers and legislators, or at least people who have worked. (laughs) Worked. No, stop right there. At least people who have worked. (laughs) Okay? And not been brought up in a huge moneyed bubble with their ass wiped by a nanny every six seconds. That's who you want running things. Not a man-child who's got an ego the size of Manhattan and the no, IQ. It's bigger, it's huger. It's, it's much it's huger, huger than, than that. that. Yeah, and the IQ of who's a fire been ant. given everything and so much of what he's been given, he's lost to bankruptcy. <laughs> right. You know, hasn't invested wisely, only, you know, increased his millions by... You know, not as much as he could have if he would have just left. Left it in the market. Le- have been left better it alone. Yeah. But and instead he got his hands all over it and messed so, that up. Tiny little orange hands. So what effect is this having politically for those who are keeping score and having fun at home? Two numbers that rocked the political landscape last Ooh, night. Yeah, 11 and 39. That's coming up. This is Jeff's World. I got this feeling inside my body. 
This is Jeff's World, the independent state of mind where we look at this gorgeous country in all its complicated glory and love it exactly the way it is. I'm Jeff Stein, Erica Ferris, and Jeff Sometimes Henry. I Hello. think this country is like a crazy girlfriend. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she is. You love her so much because she's her. so passionate she's and so amazing. fun. And, she's... and everything that can does happen. Yeah. And it just gets scary sometimes because you're not sure what nuts. she's going to do. She's a little yeah, nuts. She's a little nuts. She's a little nuts. Yeah, you know. So that's just the way it goes. So uh, in addition to the the tease I gave of 11 and 39, one more thing that that I teased at the top of the show was uh, the biggest I told you so. Uh, That this year goes to Jeb Bush. Oh. Who resurfaced recently uh, (laughs) saying, I told you so when I said he would be the chaos president. And uh, so he's been enjoying his little sort of victory laugh of... Doesn't matter. He's low energy. I don't have to listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, I'll take the low energy. Uh, Jeb Bush would have been a nice president. He would have done a very nice job. I watched him Do in Florida. Do not make me stab you in the no, eye I know. the pen. Because I will. You obviously, we have some disagreement on, you, on but, policy. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the policy making, there's some differences in the nuance for Huge. sure. But he's a, he's an adult. And I'm sorry, but when reasonable. you go out and you say, I told you so, that is the exact opposite <laughs> of adult behavior. Says, so. says the mom in the room. Yeah, that's 100% the room correct. Mom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, <laughs> how is this all impacting? Because, you know, if, if those that are following politics, and, and I know a lot of you aren't as geeky as we are, as big as democracy geeks as we are. So we kind of just break it down and tell you tell you the broader strokes of which way it's moving. Well, we have some evidence coming in on which way it's moving. <laughs> For those of you all remember, in the Georgia 6th Congressional District that was vacated by Tom Price, who went to go be Health and Human Services, right? There's John Ossoff, this Democrat, who got within just a percentage point of winning the race outright, but now he's in a runoff versus Karen Handel, the Republican, who, and again, this is a district that went for 20 points victory for Tom Price in his last uh, re-election. It was Price, right? It wasn't, no, it was, uh, oh, crap. Anyway, now I'm going to blow up blood. It was one of the people that became his cabinet. Anyway, um, so it is now polling at 51 to 44 John Ossoff. The Democrat is now seven points ahead currently in Georgia 6, a place that hasn't gone for a Democrat in uh, decades. It's not exact, and it's a, it was a suburban stronghold. Rich suburban folks who went for Donald Trump, you know, not just barely though. They went for like fifty-four or forty-six or something. With Donald Trump there, but he's ahead right now, which is scaring the crap. And that comes up June twentieth, scaring the Republicans a little bit. Also in Montana, there's a special election Thursday tomorrow uh-huh. for those who are listening to this. Live. This is a contentious, crazy thing up in Montana. Yeah, now <clears throat> they have they actually. It's funny you would not think because Montana generally is fairly red, yes, a little purple, reliable, but it's fairly red. reliably red. They have some of the strictest no monkeying around election laws in our country yeah, in Montana. Yeah, they're pretty uh, diehard about. And it. the reason they have those is because back when the copper barons ran that state that's right they ran that state yeah like our we're you want to talk about oligarchs back in the day montana yeah. was oligarch central. Yeah, because you had copper that was it i mean everything else was just people and, living off the land anybody who had the mine had yeah. the power yeah so yeah early on they figured out that oh maybe money and politics aren't the greatest combo mm-hmm. yeah now the republican there greg gianforte is still favored to win but instead of but they carried you know <clears throat> trump carried that state by tw- that district by 20 percentage points yeah. okay and now democrat rob quist who's a folk singer first time candidate 
compete com- uh, campaigning with Bernie Sanders, yeah. who's been up there uh, holding hand. Uh, he got six million dollars, raised more than six million dollars for his campaign, including one million in the past week by small donors. Which is well, that sounds familiar, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, Erica, does that sound familiar to you? A bunch <laughs> of small donors. It sounds familiar, <laughs> and I got to tell you, you know, the Pacific Palisades Dem Club and all of these Dem Clubs out here—they're all phone banking for Quist and Ossoff. Yeah. So, um, and and donating, you know, and so it's it's not just money that's being spent; it's it's sweat equity as well. Yeah. Now, didn't Pence go up there and ride a horse? Uh, in Montana and try to drum up a little uh, so. anti-folk singer stuff. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Pence is good at that. He does. He does show up for those. He does. candidates. He shows up for graduation speeches too, but uh, <laughs> that don't work out too well. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> say one for the other. I don't know these candidates well enough to know exactly what their policies and such are. But it is a bellwether. It is showing. Now they'll probably the Republican will probably still keep a seat there, but it's going to be dangerously close. Meanwhile, the 39 and 11 numbers I gave refers to a couple of races that occurred last night. In New Hampshire, a Democrat beat the Republican by a 52 to 48 margin in the state House 6 Carroll District. Now, it's not like, oh, it's a House district. That was a seat that Donald Trump won 51 to 44. All right. So it went it completely flipped. All right. First of all, which is a big deal. Second, in the New York Assembly 9th District, Democrat Christine Pellegrino beat Republican Thomas Gargiola. It's so funny. It's like Italian on Italian violence. But <laughs> beat, her, beat him 58 to 42. Do your mm. math. That's a 16 point. And this is where Trump this is, uh, won 60 to 37. That mm. is an 11 point and a 39 point swing that you just saw there. This kind of, you know, reminds me earlier when you're talking about how the Russians are continuing to bombard us with messages. You know, they're co- those are a lot of the quote unquote Trump supporter tweets that you see. Yeah. Those are the Russians. Yeah. And you're seeing, Some you know, the, the difference in in actual reality with these, uh, you know, races that you're telling, and there us could about. be a surprise in Montana tomorrow because could Montana's, like you said, the the, the the Jeff Hendricks said, the election laws, the campaign laws are so strict that it is a state where you really have to shake hands and kiss babies. Oh yeah, you do. You have to get in in, in personal person yeah, contact. Yeah, because I don't believe there's any outside money allowed to be spent on their television radios. And they, yeah, exactly. it's all, it's all going to be locally uh, generated. And they in say Montana. locally. I've read some stuff. They don't care. The Montanans are like, I don't care about the television. I just got, I got to meet the guy and find out for myself. Got to look him in the eye. And the same is yeah. the case of these two state things, yeah. assembly district races I just saw that went flip 39 and 11 points. Those are shaking babies, kissing hands. And I did that right. d- literally and that's, wrong. Locally is always where the change will start. Too. Yes. That's what the amazing thing is. I mean, that's... Yes. So if it's happening on a local, like, you know, congressional level, local school board level, local town elections... That's when you actually see. That's the bellwether of change right there. Another one, one lark, Carlos Curbelo. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a second, but a lot of other Republicans. I'm starting to see David Jolly. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of good. I mean, sorry, David. Yeah, this is yeah, David Jolly. Yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of these different guys, and I'm, and I'm finding these Republicans, and I'm going to start bringing more attention to them because these are the folks that voted against the Health Care Act. Yeah. They're opposing these this new budget very vehemently. These are good people who are classic Eisenhower Republicans. They are sensible. They are adults. They have conservative values, and they're not uh, you know, re- crazy about it. They're being very much trying to sell the value of conservative values rather than to beat the enemies of it. 
and uh, it's it's really encouraging to see. So, could we do uh, a segment on a show? I know we don't have time for this one, but I I want to know what conservative values are. <laughs> yes, and I'm not I agree. saying that sarcastically, no. but when you say he has conservative values, I don't know what that means. So, I'd really genuinely would like to know what that is. I think I think that's a great idea because I think that this is where I almost feel sorry for my more conservative friends. That term has been completely co-opted, diluted, and muddied beyond recognition. Now. I mean, that's why the liberals have become progressives because right. the liberal label is so messy with not only the attacks and the blunt you know that's been against it. It doesn't nobody knows what it is anymore, and it's been associated with oh, all yeah. kinds of different things. So I know it's a rebuild. We're getting a reboot. This is the re. This is the Renaissance, y'all. I swear. So save us, Miriam Webster. Save us. <laughs> Coming up, someone in the Trump story is speaking up, demonstrating responsibility and contrition. And we'll have that when we return to Jeff's World. Are we crazy? What about you? This is Jeff's World. Yeah, the place where possibility, purpose, and punchlines is how we look at. Social, political, popular, and unpopular culture. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. Internet Georgette's here, too. And uh, we're talking about the California Democratic Convention. And for those of you outside of California, you're like, why does that matter? Well, if you want to know uh, what's kind of at the front lines of this, because this civil war, that's a strong term. Right. The rebirth, renaissance is happening everywhere. Right. And, it's, and California's a microcosm of, of the larger political landscape. Yeah, and it's particularly yeah. fascinating because you say, well, California's got a super majority of Democrats or totally dominated by Democrats. What could possibly be the problem? Why would you have infighting? Well. <laughs> but our own uh, <laughs> Madam Delegate from the 43rd Assembly District, uh, Erica Ferriston, uh, is obviously on our show, but also she's, you've heard before, she's very politically active. She's the real deal. Yeah, no, she, uh, she had her Tommy Chews on the ground. And so she had a vote in uh, picking one of the most contentious Big time. Uh, California Democratic chair races ever. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the way this chair's race has worked in the past, um, well, interestingly enough, I believe the first time John Burton ran, uh, it was between him and Eric Bauman. Okay. And, um, and I think kind of a deal was... I, I think it was a, a, maybe, let's say, something a little bit more cordial was made. Anyway, John Burton got that, and then no one challenged him the second time around. And, you know, that's the way that it's been working, at least in the Democratic Party. Uh, people are selected. They're, the anointed one is selected, and then it's just kind of like, okay, no, that you don't challenge. But things have changed. So Eric Bauman was running against Kimberly Ellison. For you who don't know, Eric Bauman's kind of seen as the establishment character. He's even been in the news for collecting quite a bit of lobbying money, which has been a tainting, obviously. Yes. Yeah. So so Eric Bauman has a consulting uh, firm. With, which is not uncommon for people in politics to also have consulting firms. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I believe it's him, his husband, and yeah. uh, an assistant. But um, he... Uh, consulted with no on Prop 61, right. which Prop 61 in our recent, uh, you know, along with the presidential election was on the ballot. And that would have allowed uh, the state of California to pay the same rate for pharmaceuticals as do the veterans do, right. which is basically a 25% discount. So all of the state employees, all of those on Medi-Cal and Medicare, um, it would have saved the state a billion dollars for those who are interested in finances. Um, and it would have made uh, pharmaceuticals more affordable to 
yeah. the people. But it went. It got voted down because there was so. A- so yeah. So as you can imagine, pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical companies put millions of dollars into defeating this proposition. Bernie Sanders came out to California I, at least three times to support yeah. Proposition sixty one. Well, Eric Bauman is the chair of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. That is the largest Democratic Party in the country, much less in California. (laughs) So under his leadership, the LACDP, the Los Angeles County Democratic Party, neither endorsed nor opposed Proposition 61. And and so, you know, when you have these elections, the Democratic Party sends out mailers to all their Democrats. You know, here's what we recommend. Right. And um, and so by. And Bauman took a lot of money from the he, industry. Is yeah, what the he took about a quarter is. of a million dollars when, you know, from from the pharmaceutical industry. And his defense is that he never said a word about Prop 61. And but our silence. position... Yeah, silence they bought his silence. Deafening. That's exactly right. You stood down because you were paid to stand down. And we are not interested in leaders that are going to stay silent when it benefits corporations that profit over people. We want you to lead the people for benefits for the people. I think... I think I would, I would change one word in what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, He's not a leader. He's elected representative, and he is not representing the will of the people of California. So he's not doing his job, technically, in my book. Well, yeah, the argument you know? is he took a quarter million dollars and didn't do the best interests of Californians. Correct. So who is he representing? Is he representing us, or is he representing the pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry? industry? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and on the Bauman side, you know, the, it's, it's interesting, you know, He's been chair of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party for since 2000, and he has done a lot of good things. He's a great fundraiser, which is why he why he's well adored or has been up to this point, right, by some of the Democratic establishment. He's a great fundraiser, but that's been the problem right? with our Democratic <laughs> right? Party right? because our Democratic Party is receiving funding from the same bad actors as the Republican Party. <laughs> so in the end, it makes the Democratic Party beholden to corporate interests. Yeah, I mean, there are a few politicians who will vote against the people that they are taking money from, but it's pretty rare. There there are, and it is rare. And, um, and this is so that you have the Bernie Sanders faction. Um, you know, there was a vote that came up at the DNC to stop taking corporate money. Uh, they voted against that. And and our point is Bernie Sanders proved that you don't have to take money from the corporations because their logic is, well, the Republicans are taking money and have all this money. So in order to compete with the Republicans, we have to take the money, too. Except if you look at the legislation and the policies, it's it's that they're very similar to, you know. Yeah. But also as the mother of what you got seven and nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. As the mother of two young boys. That's the same idiotic logic that young kids use. Well, they're doing it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It doesn't it doesn't get well, you off the hook as far as being morally culpable and to something that isn't right. 
And some good news. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I've been reading, you all of us in this room have been reading a lot about small donations, that records are constantly being broken in races all over America right now, well, mostly on the Democratic side. Too, yeah. Quist. Yeah. Asaf. I mean, these things, you wouldn't believe the shift because the one thing that Democrats who were, would, would the, at least Democrats would espouse that we should get money out of right. politics, right? And, but then they would still take it. And now they, what they needed was millions of dollars in small donations. They're getting it. Yeah. And so it culminated with Bauman versus Kimberly Ellis, 3,000 delegates, right? Yeah. And a vote came down to how many? 62. 62 votes. Now, again, for those who don't follow this, as Erica described, half the time, races are unopposed. And the other half, they're not close. It's somebody just saying, hey, I'm going to run, see what happens. And they get 13% of the vote. It, it was Kimberly Ellis. the soul Alice. of the party. Yeah, it was really a well-organized uh, operation. So because Bauman was the establishment pick, so here's how to explain it. There was, there's been a lot about how the Bernie delegates swept the delegate election. Yeah, they changed. They got more delegates. That's the first part. We We've did. talked about this on the show. But the whole picture is that's just one third of right. who the voting Correct. population is. Another third is all the elected officials. Right. And then the delegates appointed by the elected, elected officials. officials. So if you think uh, about it, the elected officials have two, two votes. thirds. Right. They have two right. thirds of the vote to the one third of delegates right. that are just elected. And right. the major and so many of the elected officials were just, you know, automatically bowmen. Right. Um, now, I personally talked with many delegates um, here in Los Angeles you know, who would say, I want to vote for Kimberly, but I'm afraid because they believed that, you know, Bauman would win and they did not want to be on his, we'll just call it his political naughty list. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's incredible yeah. that Kimberly Ellis came within, you know, 62, 62 votes. votes. And just to paint a picture for you. Oh, my gosh. So they organized it. So we had bright pink T-shirts right. that said, Unbought and unbossed, which is a reference to Shirley Chisholm. Right. And they gathered us right before. So voting started at four o'clock. They gathered us in very large rooms at three thirty. And we all marched together. Wow. Down to vote. And you should have seen yeah. the line of pink yeah. and the chanting, you know, who do we want? Kimberly, what do we want her now? Who yeah, do- yeah. It was quite a visual. Now, what's the answer to the to the disruption? Because, of course, the, what came out of it in the news was while John Burton was dropping F-bombs because Burners wouldn't shut up. Bernie Kratz. <laughs> what's your take on that? <laughs> what a load of crap. Like, what's my take on him <laughs> dropping F-bombs? Or... Did, I mean, because it sounds like... I, I mean... Okay, so here's the thing. So, first of all, they had Tom Perez come and be the keynote speaker. The new DNC chair, by the way. This... With- Keith Ellison, his number two. Considering if you, you know, if you're just smart and bringing your brain to this thing, looking at, you know, who swept the delegate elections um, and that these were uh, Keith Ellis supporters, you know, not a good idea to bring Tom Perez. He was they were advised by many people. This is not a good idea. Don't bring this person. They brought Tom Perez. So in a way, they shouldn't be surprised um, by the chanting. And here's what we were chanting. Okay. Tom Perez is not on board with 
single payer health care. Right. Because he's taken money and a big fundraiser from insurance companies, pharmaceutical companies. And so we were chanting five six two, where are you? Five six Senate Bill five sixty two, which is for universal health care here in California. Yes. Expanded and improved Medicare for all. And so that's what the chanting was. Yeah. And and no, um, it's very hard to silence, you know, over a thousand. Yeah. And by the way, you know, there are uh, Eric Bauman supporters who are also on board with Senate sure. Bill 562. So, I mean, it was it was, you know, a lot of people chanting. And um, so, yes, that did happen. What do I think of John Byrne cussing? And there was so much more cussing than what was reported sure. in the news. At one He's on the last that, day, though, he flipped us off yeah. both fingers when we were tr- when we were well, trying to get a point of order across. That's adult. Yeah. So here's what I have to say. Honestly, I thought it was funny, <laughs> but because but so John Burton is known for that. Yeah. That's the way he kind of talks to everybody. But to the people who were new, they felt that it was just being targeted to, to them and the burners. And so it, it really felt like a slap in the face. Right. So I see where they f- continue to feel on. I mean, th- we are unwelcomed. Hey, I mean, I was say. listen, Bauman <clears throat> was was not welcoming to us Bernie supporters <laughs> during the primaries. Yeah. He, he, you know, he didn't, you know, actively go after us, but you know, yeah. no, but you know, he took names and he's going to, he's going to screw political careers later on. That's I hope, he, I hope that he evolves past. I have to hope that he'll evolve past that. Right, but that's his, that's his track record. That has been, you know, the reputation. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think, how do we come together? I think that we come together on Senate Bill 562. Yeah, the great thing I, I observed from all the re- writing about the, the reporting from the, 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 the convention there was this huge emphasis on health care for all. Absolutely. That's what everybody was talking about. And it, was, it wasn't as much about us versus them, establishment versus Bernie's or progressive. It was about health care. Right. We need health care. Could, so, could we drag this nation, please, kicking and screaming into the 1940s? Right. So I think so, that's when that started to happen on this globe. That's right. That's <laughs> our unifying point. If Bauman uses his leadership to get electeds on board and pass Senate Bill 562, uh, he will come through this. If he doesn't, I can't yeah. say that yes. there won't be division. So that's where we unify. So, so repercussions for his actions. Coming up, the lightning round, as well as someone in the Trump story is speaking up and demonstrating responsibility and contrition. We'll have that as we wrap up another show of Jeff's World. I don't want to Thank you for being a citizen of Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, allow me to bring in um, a Bush. Not uh, not Jeb Bush. Not George W. Bush. But Billy Bush. Oh, jeez. Billy Bush, back in the news, did uh-huh. an interview on uh-huh. ABC with Robin Roberts. He's doing all the interviews right now, trying to put it all together again. And, and as I say, that's, uh-huh. this is the team. In the Trump story, you know, this he was a big part of the Trump story. Because we all remember, he got elevated to president, and Billy, Billy Bush lost his job. Right. For enabling a potential serial sexual predator, or at least a brag one who brags as though he, he did it. And so I want to play a little, little bit of what Billy said, and I want to get you guys' opinion on the other side of it. My now 16-year-old daughter called me, and she was in tears, and she was really upset. And I, I said, Mary, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, don't worry. 
And she said, no. Why were you laughing at the things that he was saying on that bus? Why were you playing along with that? It wasn't funny. It must be one thing, Billy, for a stranger to feel that way, but for your daughter to ask you, why? She said, why were you in that moment? Why, why, why were you participating in that? I said, I'm, I, I was, I'm sorry. She didn't want to hear any explanations, just, I'm sorry. I had never listened to that tape, Robin, and until just days before the rest of the world got it. And I recoiled. I said, oh my gosh, because for me, I remember the guy on the other side. And I can tell you, 12 years ago, it was my first year as co-host of the show, but I was, I was insecure. I was, um, I was a pleaser. I, I kind of remember wanting these celebrities to like me so that I could keep going in this, in this job. What did your wife say to you? She was very understanding of the atmosphere and the environment you know, of that time. And she knows very well the man she married and who I am. So she was supportive the, the whole way through. In fact, up until five minutes ago, we were on the phone before I drove up here. What do you think? I think, I think Billy Bush is a victim, uh, partially, of... Well, if you, we need to have this on television. The daggers I just got shot from both women. Yeah, Erica and Georgette. Feel free. I want to hear Georgette weigh in because she's a little bit closer she's to actually, 16 than I am. And maybe, like, you know, what if it was your dad? I, I mean, can you... She has even more personal experience. Go ahead. I mean, I would be equally as disappointed. Yeah. I don't blame that little girl for being like, No, God, hey. no. But I yeah, think I, I think Bush I think Billy Bush got caught off guard by Trump completely. I, I don't think he's a victim at all. You knew what you were saying, like you knew that you were agreeing with him. And that I understand. But I think the initial thing that Trump said that was so shocking. How how was Billy Bush thinking that? I mean, he had no idea that was coming, right? They, or, they or were should, off or should, air. Hang on. But should he have known, Georgette? Should he have known based on who Trump was and who how the rest of the interview went? I think I think that's your point. I think you're right. But I also think Billy Bush got blindsided by this. I don't think he knew it was going to do blow up the way it did. Yeah, I right. Clearly, if he would have known his career would have been ruined, he would have behaved differently. <laughs> right. But I don't think that he's a victim. I mean, where I could have compassion is is I don't know, Georgette. I'm I'm just like kind of spinning here, but it's tough. Like. If somebody were to say something really offensive, I don't think that I would hope that I would not be laughing along with them. Fair and enough. then okay. it's not just that he laughed along with them. He was like, ooh, he, was he brought exactly. that girl over. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, the Donald has scored. Let Donald has right. a kiss for you. Like he yeah. roped that girl into that. that I mean, he, he it wasn't just like. Being a bystander, he, he was became an, a participant and an, enab- in it. And an enabler because he got that woman to yeah. come over, didn't he? He was hyping him up. Okay. He was his All little right. hype beast. So, And I get hype, like... Hype beast. <laughs> I do get oh, yeah. peer pressure to fit in, and we all yeah, do the insecurity, things. The, yeah, yeah. the insecurity, stuff. the pleaser, and we've all done things like that. or uh, Not like that, that, but I'm right. just saying, I'll just speak for myself. Yeah. I have, you know, said things in a group probably or been peer pressured and kind of regretted it later. I understand that point. But um, but but 
Also, too, listening to how he handled this with his daughter, I mean, failed again. When he said she doesn't want an explanation, yes, she does. There might not be a good enough one that you can (laughs) give her. But when he's like, look, I said I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like that's I feel like for, for his daughter, that's not enough. Because, yeah, because apologizing doesn't say I'm going to change my behavior or in the future I'm going to make sure that when this happens, I do something about it. It's merely saying I'm sorry that this happened. And more, it's saying I'm sorry I got caught, I think, than anything well, else. Well, it, it seems to me, and maybe I'm giving him too much room, but it seems to be some contrition and some and some awareness from that has been born in it. Uh, but is but is he, is, he, is he contrite? Because he sees the error of his ways, or is he yeah, contrite? Be- he or is he contrite because he thinks that he got his job back? Well, I think this is if if a measure of a, of seeing an error of your ways is that you'll never do it again. I think he saw the error of his ways because I don't think he'll ever make that mistake ever again. No, Here's I think, yeah, what I, think I can right about understand that. about him and Billy, the way- not others though. No. <laughs> I mean, look at Ryan's Priebus. Ryan's Priebus basically did the same thing. Trump walks in, and he's like, "Well, this is obviously horrible behavior, but I can be the chief of staff. I'm just going to keep riding this train." Yeah. Whereas Billy Bush would have gotten gotten off the train. I think is the difference between those two gentlemen. But I don't know. Here's but where it was wrong. I agree with Georgette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can. So I can see where he didn't quite understand, you know, how offensive his behavior was and that it was a learning opportunity. Um, and, you know, does, is he contrite because of that or because to get his job back? Probably a little bit of both. But I can tell you that until I went through Emerge California, of which Kimberly Ellis was the executive director, um, I I engaged in misogynist behavior and I wasn't aware of it. Um, she They had us watch a documentary called Miss representation m-i-s-s representation and that was a documentary uh you know done by gavin newsom's wife right and um and from watching that documentary in 2015 that's when i realized all of the sexism like i was putting on my boys all that I was participating in. For example, I was right there. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, her cankles look awful. Why is she wearing a pantsuit? I didn't understand that how that contributed to disempowering, you know, whether it was Katie Couric or uh, Senator Clinton or Barbara Boxer at the time. Right. I didn't get that. I just thought I was like, no, that's really bad fashion. Right. So I had a learning moment. So I can understand with the way that people are raised that they don't get it. There's lots of things that I haven't gotten that I have learned from. And I'm grateful to have been forgiven and given the space to learn. And so I get that on his part. He didn't quite express that. And and maybe he just doesn't have Billy Bush again. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't have, you know, the depth to... Um, articulate that. So that's what I'm trying to say. I get like participating in things that you don't really quite understand. Well, what's the big deal? But then when you're when you're schooled mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, then the behavior has to that's change. Why. Yeah. I actually wrote my senior thesis on misrepresentation. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what shocked me the most was just the lack of representation of women in politics in general. And just how they're depicted in yeah. comparison to God. You will never see 
I, Rush Limbaugh say something about men? The way that he was saying things about yeah. Quentin and Palin. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, and I remember I learned in that uh, documentary, so at the time, Hillary Clinton was a senator, and, you know, whenever a male senator would say something, they would say, you know, Senator Dole says blah 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 And when it was her, they would say, Mrs. Clinton says blah 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 right. That right there is undercutting her power. And then also... Um, you know, it would be like Senator Dean says, we've got to stop. And then it would say, even if they did use Senator, Senator Clinton complains. Right. With the women, they would use the word like complains, yeah. misses. Um, so, you know, very interesting. And I just wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware of, you know, what my husband and I were putting on our two young boys about, you know, being with a pretty girl or something like that and then you know started changing like you know well what you know what kind of person is this a good friend is is she a good friend is she you know does she bring her brain to a fist fight or what <laughs> <laughs> all right so, wow yeah. uh you know i feel i do have i do have empathy and compassion for him and oh wow yeah i feel bad for him but then why didn't you give your daughter an explanation? Yeah. Well, he probably like, did eventually. He, he I might, think it was at the time. Yeah. I would maybe hope you that should, he did later. Maybe we should send him Mr. He's got all daughters, too. Yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, yeah. Uh, you know. And yeah. that pain is, is worse than anything. To, Disappointing your child? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a big one. That's So he is <laughs> suffering major consequences, even yeah. beyond. And you know what? His career is not happening. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, You're saying I mean, he's... Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like... There's such a bad, like, nobody's, well, I don't want to say that, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's to evolution. Whether uh, yeah. Billy Bush pulled, pulled it off or did pull it off or not, uh, this kind of discussion is happening everywhere. And I know I can hear my some of my conservative friends going, bunch of freaking snowflakes in there. But you know what? Uh <laughs> There is a there is a point, yes, where we're monitoring how the words we use gets a little out of control. But there's also a lot of pain and damage in it too. So let's uh, let's find that happy medium. Let's find that part that uh, that lifts us more than oppresses us. All right. So when we come back, uh, the lightning round, as well as one of the most powerful moments and greatest speeches in history, the greatest speeches in history that is completely unknown to those who don't watch mainstream news. That's on Jeff's world. Welcome to Jeff's World and being part of our growing population. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. This is the final segment here of Jeff's World for today. Um, one of the things, a couple of lighting round things for us before we, as we get into it. One, uh, Stephen Colbert and the FCC. The folks were really hoping he'd get busted for that. How could he get busted for he that? He couldn't. It was during Safe Harbor and everything. I, oh, I was yeah, watching. No. I've been the radio all my life. I yeah. used to have an FCC license when they made us have one. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you can say, you can call somebody your cock holster in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> it didn't matter. And it was offensive or whatever, but it did not matter to the FCC. And it wasn't uh, actionable, even with a dominant by Trump supporter, Trump appointees. They uh, still could not stop that. The other right wing thing that stopped is Han- Sean Hannity said he would stop talking about the the, lie, the fake story of Seth Rich, the DNC staffer that was murdered that they tried to say was murdered by Hillary because he was going to talk about WikiLeaks. So Hannity was the last Fox Newser who was still talking about it, and he says I'm going to stop talking about it, and then he went on Twitter. 
and talked about it again. And so this is this is after going. this is yeah this is after the family's approached yeah. him on a number of occasions and said, yeah. "Hey, stop! Yes, stop this, you jack wagon, you jack wagon." And did he <laughs> say I say it like that? I'm going to stop talking about this fake story. No, of course of not. Of course not. Of course not. Right? Uh, maybe he thinks that tweeting is not talking. He says, out of respect for the fam- from the family's wishes for now, I am not discussing this matter at this time. That's the best you could get out of him. And then he God, says, but I a- will still be watching it. He's what a- magnanimous. He's so magnanimous. What a trash weasel. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> greasy little trash weasel. <laughs> a bit of trash weasel. All right. And then the, <laughs> the other story uh, <laughs> that was that you didn't see on Fox at all. It's funny. I was talking, talking to some of my conservative Trump supporter friends and who listened, watch only Fox, Breitbart, and like that. And I was going, wow, isn't it amazing what's going on with the Confederate statues? And they go, what's going on with the Confederate statues? <laughs> what? They you didn't. Know? I mean, they this is, know. This is a big know. story. They didn't know. Holy Toledo. So we put this on the, on the Facebook page, too, and I highly recommend you take an opportunity. Mitch Landrew, oh, the yeah. mayor of New Orleans, I'm getting chills thinking about yeah. it, gave one of the greatest speeches i've ever read or heard mic drop moment Un- he, yeah believable i want to give you a tiny taste before we get out of here because it, it's worth a little bit but uh and then we'll talk on the other side this is a good place to stop for a moment and ask ourselves at this point in our history after katrina after rita after ike after gustav after the national recession after the bp oil spill <laughs> catastrophe oh, after the tornado if presented with an opportunity to build monuments that told our story or curate these particular spaces, would these be the monuments that we want the world to see? Is this really our story? You see, we have not erased history. We're becoming part of the city's history by writing the wrong image these monuments represent and crafting a better, more complete future for all of our children and for future generations. And unlike when these Confederate monuments were erected, as symbols of white supremacy, yeah. we now have a chance to create not only new symbols, but to do it together as one people. In our blessed land, we come to the table of democracy as equals. We have to reaffirm our commitment to a future where each citizen is guaranteed the uniquely American gifts of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what really makes America great. <laughs> and today, it's more important than ever to hold fast to these values and together say a self-evident truth that out of many, we are one. That is why we reclaim these spaces for the United States of America, because we are one nation, not two, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, not some. We are all part of one nation and pledge allegiance to one flag, the flag of the United States of America. Not the Confederate flag. And this is just, that's just, I, I, I had so much trouble. I got the, I recorded the whole speech, tried to grab one piece of it. There's so it's much such good an amazing stuff speech, in there. <laughs> and he really, it, it, it makes us look at all of our histories. Because the great thing about it is it's a parable in general of, you know, what are we still holding on to? What do we still believe that was the, the what, what, our involvement in one thing or another? And we've whitewashed it, not using that color for racial terms, but, right, we, right. you know, how we've turned it into something that it isn't. And they talked. He talked so uh, human nature about uh, is the fifth grader when your fifth grader walks by these a fifth grade black girl walks by these monuments right. that are you know proclaiming a four year insurgency to uh, to destroy the United States and and replace it with you know and and, and own her and own her. <laughs> Let's not forget that small part. And of it. he's like, what do I tell that fifth grader? Why those st- statues are there? How do I explain that to them? Well, if 
If they were there for, as a cautionary tale, that's what he could say. But they weren't. They were erected to celebrate a, yeah. four, a four-year insurgency. To rewrite. Yeah. And he talks a lot about that. Mm. To say, oh, no, 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 we didn't lose. It was awesome. And, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a great cause, you know, and it was all right. worth it. And I'm amazed at how many people don't know what the Confederacy stood for. I still run into people who say, oh, it was about states' rights, right? And it was about other things. It's like, no! It was about, let me read from the Cornerstone speech. And he read this in the thing. The Cornerstone speech, which is one of many speeches delivered by Confederate leaders and politicians at the time that said that our cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery, subordination to the superior race, the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This is our new government in the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical and moral truth that white man is better than the Negro. They formed a government based on that. But it wasn't about slavery, Jeff. It wasn't about slavery. Uh, It was about uh, states' rights. rights. States' rights. Yeah. Watch the speech. It's it's worth seeing. It will remind you of how awesome. And and during it, he quotes Republicans and he quotes Democrats. Oh, no. (laughs) It's it's a great speech. It's very unifying. (laughs) And if you've never been to New Orleans, go. And you'll see. Uh, It is a melting pot and it is a great emerging representation of who we really are. So, And Mayor Landrieu, watch him. He could be president someday very easily. Uh, also, if, if if not governor, gov- for sure, and the governor Louisiana. there too, Governor Edwards is also pretty awesome down there in no, Louisiana. No, they're, they're, Louisiana is having a serious rebirth. They're riding the ship, as they like to say. Yeah, they really are. Oh, yeah. and they're leading the South back <clears throat> to let's get rid of the lies, let's stop kidding ourselves, and let's get back to what makes us great. Because the South, I love the South. The South is a beautiful place with beautiful people who crack me up. I love them. They just got to shake off this Confederate thing, <clears throat> and they're going to be in a, a much better place. All right, so. Any last words from you? <laughs> no, but I love that we close on that unifying, yeah. beautiful speech. Last time I checked, we were all Americans. This is Jeff's World, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Thank you for being here. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.